right, go ahead and take out your Bibles this evening. And turn to the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter number 13. 1 Corinthians, chapter number 13 is going to be our starting point this evening. And we're going to start reading in verse number 4. 1 Corinthians chapter number 13, verse number 4. The Bible says, Charity suffereth long, and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer this evening. Father, we love you. We thank you for this day. Thank you for the time that we have to be together in church tonight. Father, I pray that you would forgive me of sin, cleanse me of all my sin, Father. Lord, let there be nothing between you and I, Lord, as I preach this message. God, help me to be a blessing. Help me to encourage. Help me to lift your name up. Lord, I pray that each person here tonight will be uh, not only just encouraged, but have the determination to keep going in their faith. Lord, help us tonight to focus on the Word of God, to put all the cares of the world behind us for, for this next uh, half hour, Lord, and just help us to focus on you and you alone. We love you, Father. Prelates, in Jesus' holy name, amen. All right, so tonight I want to preach a message that I think all of us, including myself, can be guilty of. And this is a sin that I believe if we can conquer through the Lord, and if God gives us help and we seek the Lord with this need, I think we'll be a much greater son, much greater daughter, sister, brother, husband, wife, father, whatever it is. And you will find yourself being a much better person, a Christian in general, if you can conquer the sin of negativity. Negativity. The sin of focusing only on fault. Negativity defined is the sin of rejoicing in iniquity. Instead of rejoicing in truth, it is the result of a critical spirit, one determined to find something wrong in every situation and in every person. It is the sad sin of ignoring all the good in order to focus on the one fault. It's the sin, it's the sin how I think of it, when you have an acre of daisies and you focus on on one weed. It's focusing on the, the, the things that are wrong with everything. And so you, I think this is a sin that whether we acknowledge it or not, we're all guilty of, and honestly quite guilty of it, more than we think. It's something that we can all struggle with. A Debbie Downer, being negative, and we live in a world of negativity, do we not? You'd be hard-pressed to find a positive person in today's society. It'd be hard to find, it'd be hard for you to go online right now and go to the news and find good articles, something that'll make you happy, something that'll make you joyful. Why? Because everything is negative. Everyone likes gossip. Everyone likes dirt. Everyone wants to focus on the negativity of others. Why? Because it, lifts, it makes them feel better about themselves. They're trying to lift up themselves so they look at the wrong of everybody around them and of everything that's around them. And so negativity is something that we must look at the Word of God at. 
The Bible has a lot to say about negativity. I'd like to spend a few moments looking at um, some illustrations in the Bible, some examples for us found in the life of Jesus, then the life of Daniel. And I'd like us to look at the dangers of negativity and how we, as a Christian, can find the cure for negativity. So I'd like you to take your Bible and turn over to Mark chapter number 7. Mark chapter number 7. There were a lot of fault finders in the life of Jesus. A lot of people who were trying to find a fault in our Lord and Savior. In Mark chapter number 7, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says this for us. Mark 7, verses 1 and 2 reads, Then came together unto him the Pharisees, and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem. And when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is to say, with unwashed hands, they found fault. So, there were fault finders in Jesus' day. The religious leaders during the life of Jesus, and if you read the Gospels, all you, you find many chapters dedicated to the Pharisees and the Sadducees just trying to get on to Jesus and the disciples for every little thing. And trying to find fault and sin, in him, sin on him. Why? To disprove Jesus Christ. Especially when he would announce himself to be God. To be with God. To be of God. And so, um, why? Because their jealousy in them produced a spirit of negativity. And if you and I are jealous towards somebody else, we're going to produce a spirit of negativity, of looking bad about somebody else. Jesus taught his disciples an important lesson about seeking. In Matthew 7, 7, it reads, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, it shall be opened unto you. And what this verse is really teaching us is that whatever you seek after, you will find it. It does not mean that, that the thing you seek after is the only thing there. But you will overlook everything and focus on one particular thing. And so if you have hatred or jealousy towards another person, you are going to ignore all the good that they do. Why? Because you're focusing, you have tunnel vision on their fault. On their sin. And just like any event that happens in the world. Because we can look at uh, society. We can look at um, the government. We can look at the health care. I'm just thinking of all the things in our country that people don't like. <laughs> I'm just, you can look at sports. You can look at all these things and say, man, there is, it's just wrong and evil. And everything about it is wrong. We say, okay, what are the good things about it? And so, but oftentimes we just look at something, we just discredit everything about it. Discredit everything about it. Because why? We're focusing on the fault. And Jesus' critics seem to always find something to complain about. They spent their entire lives finding faults in other people. Imagine that being your life. And honestly and sadly enough, that is a lot of our lives, is it not? We want to find the dirt on somebody. 
We revel in what we can see about somebody else. And with, in Jesus' day, that's all they were worried about. I wanna, they spent their lives dedicated to finding faults about Jesus Christ. And they did so, and that reason they followed Jesus Christ wherever he went. So, were they followers of Jesus? Yes. But not in the same sense that you and I are followers in Jesus. They followed him around physically, trying to find fault in Jesus. And not, they did not want to learn something about him, or become wiser, or marvel in all of his miracles that Jesus Christ would do. Why? Because they just wanted to find the, salt, the, the, the fault that they were sticking so hard after. So negativity is the sin of focusing on faults and faults alone. It is the sin of ignoring the good in an effort to only see the bad. And so, you and I need to ask ourselves this question. Have I become negative? Have I become negative? And this is the question that we need to ask ourselves is, what am I seeking? What am I seeking? And oftentimes, if we're so busy just seeking after and finding the faults of everything around us, you know what we find ourselves not doing? Praying. Asking God for the salvation of that person. Asking God to help with that person. Why? Because we're, we're excited. We're rejoicing over sin. Are we not? If we're finding the fault and reveling and praying about and, and hoping for that, hoping to find fault... Instead, we should be praying for either salvation, for them to have help, for them to conquer that sin themselves. And so, have I fallen into the habit of finding fault? Or am I focused on looking for the good in every event, every activity, every church service, every sermon, and every person? I know this doesn't happen in our church. Of course, it doesn't happen. But there are some church members in other churches, not here, that they spend the entire sermon just looking for faults in that sermon. And then for lunch, after service, they, have, they don't have roast beef. They have roast a preacher. <laughs> and they just dissect the sermon, and they just say everything. This was wrong. That was bad. And let's ignore the baptisms. Let's ignore the salvations. Let's ignore the people praising God. Um, Pastor Matt mispronounced that word, so let's, let's just go after Pastor Matt. <laughs> and we do that anyway, but jokingly. <laughs> and so we, sometimes we have roast a preacher for lunch. And, uh, or we say, you know what? Um, you know, there's different people who volunteer in certain things, in certain capacities, and will make mistakes. And to say that somebody doesn't make a mistake would be impossible. Every one of us make mistakes. And um, I always feel so bad for those who play the piano when I song lead because every single service I mess up song leading. Maybe you won't notice it, but I notice it and so do the musicians. And I always feel bad. And we can all make mistakes. And so sometimes we're so heavy, our mind is so focused because we have the habitual mindset of only finding fault. And this is very, very dangerous. This leads down a very deep rabbit hole. And there, were, there is a lot of fault finders in the day of Jesus. But also, why don't you turn back to the book of Daniel. 
And there were fault finders in Daniel's time as well. Daniel, in my opinion, is one of the greatest men in all your Bible. And he is somebody that we look at, we read about, and, you know, we want to be a Daniel. You know, we sing a song here, Dare to Be a Daniel. You ever heard that song before? We've sung that. Um, most times on a Sunday night, we'll sing Dare to Be a Daniel. It's a song maybe you sing with your kids. Why? Because we want to be like a Daniel. Daniel's awesome. Daniel loves the Lord. Daniel stood for God in times of uh, difficulty, in times where it wasn't popular. Daniel stood for God in times where uh, worshiping God was illegal, where he'd be put to death for serving God. And he still praised the Lord. He still prayed, and he still loved God. And we should be like a Daniel. However, there were people in Daniel's day who tried to find fault in him. Or they're actually, their full-time job, what they were getting paid for, was to find fault in Daniel. Daniel chapter 6, verse number 1, Bible reads, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Verse 4, Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said unto, and said unto him, King Darius, live forever. And the Bible continues to go on and on about the story. And I think a lot of us know what happens next to Daniel and the lion's den. And there was 120 princes, and there were two presidents, who launched an investigation into Daniel's life. They spent untold hours looking for one thing, a fault. Imagine that. That would be a great thing, right? If people could, if there were people in our lives who found fault, and then the testimony of us, right, would be that they couldn't find fault within us. That would be an awesome testimony to have. And Daniel... Man, his life, and he, they could not find fault within him. So they had to criticize him about something. They had to come up with something. Something that they could use to launch an attack in, on his reputation and on his character. Something, anything that they could find to accuse him to King Darius. You know, there's a lot of... Now, we know that Daniel... It's not a perfect man. Why? Because he's flesh. Daniel sinned. Daniel sinned just like you and I. And these men could have been looking at uh, a lot of other good things about Daniel. If they, were, if they were careful enough, they could have found an excellent spirit within Daniel. They could have found a man of conviction. They could have found a man gifted in interpreting dreams. They could have found a man of prayer. A man well-favored and skillful in all wisdom. A man cunning in knowledge and understanding of science. And had these men wanted to, they could have observed and learned from the great 
attributes of Daniel. They could have bettered themselves of looking at Daniel and that they could have become better leaders themselves. But they ignored all the good, all the positives. Why? Because they wanted to find a fault, some occasion against Daniel. You know, in my life, I have found it when I've played certain sports or baseball or basketball, I always try to look at the greatest athlete in that sport. I want to mimic him in some way or form. Why? Because I want to become better at the sport I play. And if they're the best, if they did something right, so I need to go and mimic that. Why? Because they've done a lot of good in that sport. But you know what else people do? Is that they say, you know what, I want to find only the fault in somebody else. It would be a wise thing for us to look at people and say, and yeah, they do a lot of good. Is anybody perfect? No. A- any one of you could look at me in my life, and if you know me for any extended period of time, you could say, there's a lot of fault in Ethan. <laughs> Ethan's not a perfect man. Ethan makes mistakes. Ethan sins. Ethan's, Ethan's not perfect, believe it or not. Don't tell my wife that, but uh, I'm not a perfect man. <laughs> and there's a lot of fault within me. But you know what? By the grace of God, I- I'm here where I am. And by the grace of God, I'm trying to get better each and every day. Am I perfect? No. If I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be like Jesus. And Jesus is perfect. So I'm just reaching towards trying to be like Jesus. I'll never get there until I reach heaven. But while I'm here, I'm trying to do my best. And the same thing should be said for you. I'm just trying to be like Jesus. I want to do my best. And if we're, not, if we're careful enough, we'll say, you know what? I'm an imperfect man, so I want to stay. I'm gonna, it's okay to be imperfect. It's okay to sin. It's okay to do wrong. Why? Because, you know what? While I'm on earth, I had the flesh. I might as well indulge in it. And that's a, that's a rabbit hole in and of ourselves. And that shouldn't be the case. So all of us have sin, but we should, we should strive to be like Jesus. These men of Daniel's day, they were focused on one thing, and that was finding fault. And there's a lot of dangers of negativity. Turn over your Bibles to Psalm chapter number 1. The first psalm, a lot of you could probably quote this, Psalm chapter number 1. In Psalm 1, verse 1, the Bible says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the sea of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. There are several dangers of negativity. First of all, negativity can become a sinful habit in our lives. And like I said earlier, fault finding has become a national pastime in our country. News news reporting, reporting has been reduced to little more than full time fault finding the facts really don't matter the good that is being done is overlooked let's just try to find something to criticize sadly and unfortunately this has found its way into into the hearts of a lot of Christians too many have have traded in uh, their pew to sit in the seat of the scornful Souls are being saved. There's new converts. People are being baptized. The Bible is bring, being preached. People are being discipled. New members are joining. 
But all some Christians can see is the one or two things they perceive as faults or shortcomings. And unfortunately, a lot of church splits have happened because of that. Good churches have had church splits because of just one or two people that I've talked about. I actually preached about this before about having leaven and how that leaven just grows. Uh, a couple people who are just critical people makes that into uh, people who have that habit, it grows to other people. And there's going to be things here at Gospel Light that you may not like. Things you say, well, I don't like the color of that banner, or I don't like the color of the carpet. Well, I'm sorry, I can't do nothing about that. This is what it is. But people will say, you know what, church was great today, but you know what I really didn't like? I didn't like the second hymn that we sung. That wasn't a good hymn, and so all we focus on was that second hymn that we didn't like, and we forget the whole message. And oftentimes that happens. We can think that. You know, cri- uh, criticism is a very bad thing. Notice here in this verse that, that they sit in the seat of the scornful. What does that tell us? That's often those who do little to nothing for the Lord that are the most critical people. While everyone else is working, while everyone else is trying to serve God, they're the one sitting in the back criticizing. They're the one in the back that has no care of what's going on, that don't want to volunteer to do anything for God. Why? Because they're sitting in the seat of the scornful. And if you just get your hands a little busy, if you get your mind focused on other things, then I'm sure you'll have a lot, you won't think and you won't ponder and what is the what is the famous quote? Idle time is the devil's workshop. You know, what, 2020 was an interesting year for for many a reason. But one of the things that I think was the most dangerous was a lot of people that were sitting home doing nothing. Why? Because the whole world was on shutdown, and that made a lot of people say things they shouldn't have said, indulge in things they shouldn't have gone into. It messed up a lot of people. I think 2020 just by sitting home and doing nothing. And scrolling on social media all day. And often I found myself, I came home, I was in a position where I came home from college and I wasn't working for a few months. I could not find work or I was late to get to work. And often there was just days that I just sat at home. And it was not good for me whatsoever. I had to find things to do. I came to church. I had to, I painted the uh, radiators. I worked on the, uh, a lot of things I had worked on in the church. That things that needed to be done. Why? Because my my I sensed my brain just rotting, sitting there, and sitting. Honestly, sometimes sitting in the seat that's scornful. I got You have to be busy. Be a busy body. If you find yourself busy, you won't think and focus on those defaults. I'm just thinking. I'm thinking about work right now. A lot of guys at work who well, all they do is criticize. And I look at them. They're the least. They're. <laughs> hopefully, they don't listen to this sermon. But they're the least hardest working people in the company. <laughs> And that could be the case. It's sad. Theodore Roosevelt had this very interesting quote, and I'd like you just to, to listen to this quote. Theodore Roosevelt, one of our presidents, says, It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, but there is no effort without error and shortcoming. 
but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails and if he falls, while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be without those cold and tim timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Those are words worth memorizing and words to contemplate, words to ponder about. What Theodore Roosevelt was talking about is that there's going to be trial and error in our life. And if we just quit in a time of error, in a time of trial, then we're never going to accomplish what we really need to accomplish. You know, there are many great people throughout history who have failed time and time and time and time again, but now we're reaping the benefits of them for keep trying. One of them, if you look up, is those old, old light bulbs. <laughs> many a time with fail. Um, Thomas Edison failed with the light bulb. Many, many times. I think there's a specific number he even wrote down. And yet he kept on trying. Do you think he faced critics in the meantime, in the middle of it? Oh, absolutely. Do you think he should have listened to those critics and stopped and, and folded up his, you know, his hands and said, I'm done? Oh, somebody else would have created a light bulb years later. And so, Christian, you're going to find yourself stumbling. You're going to find yourself failing. There's going to, you're going to hear critics in your life. That's not the time to stop and to, and to give up. In fact, it's the time to say, you know what, I'm going to get back up. I'm going to get back up. Amen. Secondly, negativity can rob us of our ability to judge righteously. Turn over to John chapter number 7. So negativity can become a sinful habit in our life. And negativity can rob us of the ability to judge righteously. In John chapter number 7... Bible simply says in John 7, verse 24, Jesus says, Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. I am thankful for a righteous judge. Amen. I am thankful for a God who judges right. Amen. Why? Because I myself, I, I don't think I could be a righteous judge. There's a lot of fault in me, a lot of sin in me, but God is perfect. And the truth is, none of us are perfect except for Jesus. Amen. And fault finders tend to judge people harshly because they fail to consider someone's strengths along with their weaknesses. Someone's success along with their failures. It is wrong to declare someone as bad because they did one bad thing. To say they're no good because they've done one sin. It is our sin that nailed Jesus to a cross. It is our sin that makes us go to, he go to hell because we are sinners. But honestly, what does Jesus look at when he looks at you and I? He sees his son. Why? Because we're washed in the blood of the Lamb. We're saved. We're a Christian. And we have Jesus Christ. So Jesus knows that we're sinners. But Jesus loves us. And honestly, if we judged, if Jesus judged us the way that we judge other people, then we'd all be done for. 
Because we look at one fall, somebody messed up one time, we say they're done for. We can't, we, they're, they're good for nothing, they're useless. And yet Jesus Christ, when we fall, he, he wants you to what? Turn back to him. Pray. Ask for forgiveness. Go back to Jesus. And Jesus is the one that wants to help us. None of us want to be judged that harshly. Would you want to be judged based off your worst day? All of us have had a bad day, right? All of us have had a really bad day. You know, what is the, I think there's a quote that goes along the lines like, you know, you take your entire lifetime to build up your testimony, to build up who you are, and it takes one bad moment, one bad day to ruin all of that, to be labeled, to be judged for one moment. That's why it's important to walk circumspectly, the Bible talks about, to, to, to seek God every single day, because tomorrow may be that worst day of your life. Today could be that worst day. So seek God, ask God to help you before the day even begins. But none of us want to be judged on our worst day. Would you want all that you have said to be ignored because of one time that you misspoke? Would you want all of your success to be forgotten because of one failure? I don't think we like that. And honestly, that's what fault finders do. Negativity can rob us of the ability to judge righteously. Thirdly, wrapping up here, I'll say this really quickly. Negativity can focus our attention on the faults of others and blind us to the faults of our own. Negativity finds the faults in others and ignores our own. A negative person often looks at you, forgets to look in the mirror. It is, not, it is not your job or my job to spend our lives in fault finding. The person we need to be worried about is improving ourselves. David did not ask God to show him the faults of others. David says in Psalm 139, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. Why David would say, I have a kingdom to rule. God help me. God help me. Does he, does he pray for his kingdom? Of course he does. But what does he need to, what is David's mindset that David, the man after God's own heart, focused on? Me. God, if there be any wicked way in me, Lord, help me. Show me. There are a lot of things that we do that we don't realize are wrong, right? You know, people, say, people will say things about it and say, did I really say that? Did I really act that way? And oftentimes we don't find, sometimes um, we don't see all of our mistakes until somebody points it out to us. And God, who's omniscient, who's all-knowing, says, God, can you help me find my mistakes? God, help me find my errors. So focus on yourself. Um, you know, we think about, when I think of, um, Matthew chapter 7, Sermon on the Mount. Now Jesus talks about pulling the moat out of thine own eye. We're so focused on the splinter of somebody else when there's the moat in our own eye. The Bible talks about, there's a lot of examples. But neg negativity can focus our attention on the fault of others and blind us to our own. So quickly, the cure for negativity. There is a cure. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, turn there if you would. 
1 Corinthians chapter 13. The Bible says in verse number 4, Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoice not in iniquity, but rejoice in the truth. The last phrase right there is the cure. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoice in the truth. Truth trumps negativity. If we're willing to rejoice in the truth, then the truth will set us free from our own critical spirit. Answer, I want you to answer these following questions with the truth. Why do I, need, why do I feel the need to constantly find fault in others? Is it my own insecurity about how I feel about myself? Do I feel that if I tear others down, that that somehow makes me better? And we need to ask ourselves that question. Ask yourself this. What am I ignoring in my own life that needs to be dealt with? What is in my own life that, I need to, that needs to be dealt with? Could it be that my fault finding is just a smoke screen? So that I can, I can mask my own sins and faults? Do I constantly point out the bad in others to somehow make myself feel better about my own failures? Proverbs 28.13 reads, He that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. All of us have faults. So, don't think that you don't. There are a lot of people that think that they're perfect. Why? Because they're covering their sin. None of us admit to mistakes. That is something that damages our pride, does it not? Is when they had to say, that's my fault. I made a mistake. I messed up. That's a very difficult thing to do. A lot of people do not like to do that. Why? It hurts them to their core. To know that they made a mistake. Think about, ask yourself this question. What good am I missing around me because of my insistence in only seeing the bad? Negativity robs you of enjoying the people and the events around you. Think of all the Pharisees and the, and the Sadducees who missed out while being with Jesus. They were with Jesus. They missed out on everything that Jesus did. Why? Because they were fault-finding. They were too busy looking for something to criticize. Think of all of Daniel's peers that could have learned something from him if they had only stopped focusing, trying to find the faults in him. So do you have a negative, do you have a negative attitude towards others, to your family? To your friends, to your co-workers, to those around you on a daily basis? Is it stealing you from the wisdom and knowledge that you could be gleaning from them? Is it robbing you of sweet memories that you could have if your relationship with them was right instead of being fault finders? Ask yourself this question. 
What is contributing to my negative spirit? Are you, are you cultivating a negative home? If so, you have, if so, you are going to have to work harder at not being negative. Are you hanging out with other people who are negative people? It rubs on other people. If you, people like to connect and click with those who have a similar spirit and a similar attitude. Why? Because it will make you feel better about yourself. To find someone who is like you. And so what do we gravitate towards other? If you find yourself being a negative person, you want to gravitate towards somebody who's also going to be negative with you. It's a facade that we can put on to help us make feel better about ourselves. And you think about all the things of social media, that there's clicks and Facebook groups and Instagram groups and a plethora of different things that we can turn to and say, yeah, I can find a community of negative people. Take the time that you're wasting on, on social media and invest it in serving the Lord and helping others. Take it and invest that, that attitude and invest it in serving others. Lastly, why do I have to, what do I have to do to escape the bondage of negativity? Romans chapter 12, verse 21, a very easy, simple verse says, Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. What do you have to, what, how do I overcome negativity? First off, pray. Pray. Target this sin by, pray, by placing it high on your prayer list. By putting it at the top. Remember, prayer changes everything. And God is in the business of changing you. God wants to mold you. God is the potter, we're the clay. Allow God to mold you into the person that he wants you to be, which is his son, Jesus Christ. Pray. Practice. Replace negativity with positivity. For every negative thing that you can find about something or someone, find something positive about that person. Purposely look, good, purposely look for the good in others. Attend events not seeking negativity, but seeking to be positive. Cut others slack. People are going to mess up. Especially if they don't have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. They can't help it. It's in their sinful nature. They need the Spirit of God living inside of them to make them be, be who they're supposed to be. No one is perfect. Stop focusing on people's shortcomings and start learning from their strengths. And lastly, plan. Decide that each day you're going to purposely compliment someone on a positive attribute in their life. Look for the good people, look for the good of people and what they're doing and decide to express thankfulness to that person. You will find a lot of relationships healed in your life if you can learn to compliment them, to be nice to them. My wife would not like it if all I did was focus on the negative things that she did at home. If I said, well, this, this pork chop wasn't cooked well, or the dishes weren't, weren't cleaned enough, and I said, I can say, thank you for making dinner. Thank you for washing the dishes. A compliment, it creates a much better marriage, amen? Amen. amen. <laughs>
meant much, much better. And that can be the case for your family, for your siblings, for your friends, for your, uh, for your church. So how do you overcome evil? The Bible says that we, come over, we overcome evil with good. Good always triumphs evil. Jesus is stronger than the devil. How do you come over, overcome negativity? That's easy. With a determined effort to replace it with positivity. Seek and you will find. So, start today. And seek out the good in everything around you. Then rejoice in it. There's a lot of things we can find, we can find wrong. There's a lot of faults in this world. There's a lot of faults. But there's also a lot of good. There's also a lot of good. And so, that, so it's important in our life, especially as a Christian, to be somebody who is positive. To be somebody who is encouraging. If you're a discouragement to others, others are not going to want to be around you. And why? Because we have a negative spirit about us. People want to be around somebody who is positive. Why? Because it makes them feel better. It makes them want to draw closer. And Christian, if you can learn to become a more encouraging person... You'll be surprised at how many people you will have a good influence on and how many you can bring to Christ just by being an encouragement, being somebody who is positive. So let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you. Thank you for the Word of God. Lord, I thank you, Father, for, for putting this sin in the Bible for us to, to look at, to examine, to follow after. God, I pray that you help us that it won't be the testimony of any of us that we were, but we're known for somebody who was a fault finder. That we spent our whole life finding the faults of others instead of finding the good. God, help us with this dangerous sin. Help us to be more like you.